Poker's legendary champions, next generation stars, and tireless ambassadors of the game, sharing their wisdom and guiding your journey to high achievement on the green felt. This is Chasing Poker Greatness with your host, Brad Wilson. Welcome, 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 my friend, to another episode of the Chasing Poker Greatness podcast. As always, this is your host, the founder of ChasingPokerGreatness.com, and today's guest is the co-host of the Grindhouse podcast, along with past CPG guest, Brian the Golden Blazer Frenzel. He's a tournament poker edge coach, Twitch streamer, and lawyer, Jared Smith. Jared is a natural-born battler who mainly plays MTTs, but has been dipping his toe into my favorite waters, the cash game streets. The post-lockdown MTT grind has been going pretty well for Mr. Smith, as in April, he had his biggest score to date in a $545 event at the win for 62 k Jared's one of my favorite people to have on CPG, because as his rabid fan base on Twitch will attest, Dude just calls it like he sees it, which is one of the characteristics I most value in my fellow man. In today's show with Jared Smith, you're going to learn why sometimes shutting yourself off from human interaction when you're at the poker table is necessary, inside stories about life in the grindhouse, why Jared has been incorporating more cash game play into his poker schedule, and much, much more. So without any further ado... I bring to you professional poker player, coach, and podcast host, Jared Smith. Jared, welcome back to the podcast, sir. How you been, man? Good. How about you? I've been doing very well, keeping busy. I guess we'll start by asking, you know, what have you been up to since the last time we talked? Uh, just grinding a lot of poker, obviously. Been playing a lot more live uh actually a lot more live cash than uh obviously since the last time we talked we were kind of smack dab dab in the middle of the you know pretty most extreme part of the pandemic so i'd been kind of locked down stuck in the house uh pretty much just playing online tournaments uh every day (laughs) trying to make hay while the sun shines kind of had that feeling where Online poker was so good, but everybody was going to, a lot of these recreational players that were home because of COVID were going to run out of money soon. And, you know, some of the sites were kind of bleeding them dry, in, in my opinion, with some of the uh, schedule and guarantees and everything. So that's kind of where I was then. Uh, you know, since then, everything, you know, living in Vegas, everything's opened up a whole lot more and a ton of people been here lately. So, like even, you know, it was on the strip last night and just on a Monday night, it was just pretty much packed, you know, kind of back to old Vegas, so to speak. So, um, you know, that's been really good, but it, uh, but yeah, just pretty much been playing a lot of live cash and, uh, occasional, uh, Venetian, Venetian and win tournaments and such. And then, uh, just, uh, won a circuit ring. Uh, online last sunday congrats man congrats why the live cash game streets and not the live tournament streets um so i I play i play live tournaments a fair amount i mean that's really that was kind of my that was kind of my bread and butter i mean i I mix between 
live tournaments and uh, online tournaments for the most part. But I'd actually been on a pretty big downswing online mostly. And then not, I wouldn't call it a big downswing in the live tournaments, but I, I just hadn't really done too much since the, uh, since the live tournaments kind of came back. So, and you know, those can add up a lot quicker. You know, they're just the, the lower end buy-ins are, are higher than the buy-ins, you know, than the higher end buy-ins that I play online, of course, like even a, like a 400 live, is like a low buy-in soft tournament. And I really don't play for, you know, I don't play much over two fifteens, you know, 325s or something on Sundays. So had been kind of going on a downswing. So it's pretty hard to downswing in live one, three and two, five cash. <laughs> people are just, they're like literally giving it away. I mean, you, you can, you can do it. You can downswing, you can run bad variants will, will get you, but it's, it's, you know, when, when your win rate is, is something absurd and I'm not even super, I'm not even very good at cash, I would say, <laughs> but people are, you know, I was still, you know, winning it, you know, some, somewhere in the neighborhood of 40 to $50 an hour in, uh, one, three and two, five combined. So it was, uh, kind of just to make sure I keep some steady income going to pay the bills and everything, and then just kind of play tournaments to try and, you know, make a little bit more profit. I'm not sure if like the variance of MTTs is such that like, just you could play live MTTs the rest of your life and not really know what the expectation yeah. ought, ought to be. Definitely. How have you been enjoying the live cash game streets? Like you said, I, I guess you're just uh, not doing dumb things and making yeah. money. Yeah, it's a grind. I mean, I definitely some some days better than others. I think it depends on kind of where I'm at, like location wise, what casino I'm in. So for the most part, so we live right down the road from South Point, and South Point's South Point's like a locals casino. Uh, a lot of the dealers from other casinos play in there, and just you know, kind of local local bad rags and you don't really get the tourists as much, but you just kind of get the local DGENs that play in there. And they actually have, so they have a, they have a one, two game that they spread, which is like a $300 max buy. Then they have two, three, which is a $600 cap, which it's super rare to see a, a casino have like, one, two, and two, three, or one, three, you know, whatever, like a $2 big blind and a $3 big blind. <laughs> yeah. And they also have a three, five game that they spread, which is like their two, five with an extra dollar in the small blind, whatever. They have a three, five game, which is odd, but so the three, five game doesn't run all the time. Sometimes it gets one table and it's like all regs, just they're not great, but it's like all regs and they're just kind of passing money around and paying the rake. And the one, two game it's all the like nitty old dudes and everything so the two three game with the 600 cap just turns into this remarkable game like it's <laughs> it's, it's like incredible i i could not believe it you know they're taking a two dollar promo drop and i was still making just like an absurd hourly in that game um so i, I don't enjoy <laughs> playing there as much as say um you know kind of spend the rest of my time at the win uh their one three game is uh a 500 cap so it plays closer to 
two, five other places and everything. And my experience is the people that play at the win uh, are kind of too rich to fold, so to speak, a lot of the time. So, um, so that's been good. And then occasional two, five at Caesars, which is also a 500 cap game, which I find that the 500 cap game is good for that game because people want to be deeper. So they buy in for 500 and then they just blast off trying to build the stack for literally no reason. <laughs> like it doesn't, doesn't do anything, but whatever. So yeah, it's been good. It's just, like I said, it's, it's a different kind of grind. It's nice to mostly go home with more money than you, <laughs> than you walk in with, you know, never a ton, but usually a little. And, you know, it's the, the inverse of tournaments where, you mostly lose a little bit of money and then every once in a while win a lot. So it's kind of, it's definitely a nice balance, you know, to my life. Any, uh, any thoughts about, you know, moving up to the five ten or the 10, 10, 20 streets? Uh, no, I don't, I'd, I'd like to play a lot more. I'd like to play a lot more two five. So I think the first thing that I'll do when I want to quote unquote move up, is I'll I'll move up to two five at win. Um, the two five at wins a I believe a fifteen hundred cap game, and so generally speaking, stakes there play like play like you know one higher than than what they are. Like I said, the one three plays a little bit more like two five. The two five plays a little bit more like five ten. I think the five ten game is uncapped there. So I would probably move up to that game or I don't really play at Bellagio, but I've heard some good things about that. The five to 10 game sometimes gets absurdly good from a couple of buddies that play two five there and kind of keep an eye on it. If a whale moves over there, they just jump in and <laughs> and get out. So, but yeah, I think I would probably do that first. I would probably, that, that'd be my stepping stone. And I, I want to have a lot more hours and probably actually start really really studying you know really studying cash just to battle with there will at least be some regs you know now if there's a game with two people that are halfway decent at poker i i consider it a bad game if i'm in it you know it's like if i know two people and they're not just horrible it's like oh man i should probably change tables uh so a student uh john who does tactical tuesday with me spent like the last 10 days in Vegas playing the five ten games. And it, his story's kind of funny in that right before the pandemic, he was afraid of the five ten. Like he was nervous about mm-hmm. playing in the game. He was like a two five grinder and basically shot was started shot taking at five ten, right as the pandemic kind of came on full steam. And then transitioned to online poker, got coaching for me, and basically just did the whole online experience and mm-hmm. went back this past week to Vegas to play some 510. And he was nervous before he went, before he left. He's actually playing like 510 online um, yeah, <laughs> for, a, is, for a living, is, living now. Which is much tougher than a 510 live game. Oh, yeah. And he was <laughs> like basically, you know, Basically, it was like it's, it's kind of a joke, right? It's like the mm-hmm. five the five ten capped games, uh, even like the regs that play in those games just weren't really challenging. And then there were, you know, he said like basically the the worst live game that he played in was better than the best 
games he plays sure. in online. Um, and of that course. was just sort of his experience with the 510. So I would say that like, yeah, with some study, some time, 510 is probably like, you know, you're probably costing yourself money by not playing in 510 right now. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I get that. It's more, so, so I do have like, so I do know, I, I see this, there's a game that, uh, that actually randomly runs at South Point. They, they kind of treat it like a home game. Um, it's some guys that, it's some guys that kind of organize the game and they, you know, one guy schedules it with everybody and they show up and they'll just spread this, you know, it's open to, it's a public game. It's not like a private game or whatever in the casino. Like that was the big hop, you know, hop button like a year ago or whatever. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a public game. But they just they just spread it. It's like a five ten, it's like a five ten twenty game basically. Uh, and I, I you know I've looked at that and it looks absurd. You know it looks absurdly good some of the times. So I, I have I have a buddy that would that would buy action in it if I you know if I really wanted to play in that. Uh, you know I, I might take a shot in something like that at some point and just you know sell part of it just to kind of get the experience and see how it is i mean i'm not really if i if i sit down in a game i'm i'm not really concerned like i would never sit down in a game and then get super nitty because of the amount of money that i have in front of me or anything and that's kind of my (laughs) it's kind of my fear with sitting down you know in the first place in those games because like if if i find a good spot to you know it seems like they're gonna fold right like if i find a good run out or whatever I'll, i'll triple it off and do all that stuff so which is what you need to be doing to be winning in like in some of those games some some of the time, but uh, um, but yeah, like right now it's just ninety five percent of the time value bet, and every once in a while, <laughs> you know, look at a guy that's clearly nervous to have five hundred dollars in front of him and just uh, <laughs> just you know stuff it in his eye and hope he doesn't have the nuts. Like basically, is kind of the. And and sort of print money along the way. Like I said, it's it's pretty, it's pretty. I'm certainly not challenging myself, and and necessarily improving in doing that. But it's just it's just low hanging fruit and pretty easy way to make the rent money every month. So yeah, for sure. Or, just yeah. uh, bear in mind, you know, complacency. Right. Don't get complacency so that you're or complacent so that your game kind of degrades over time. Sure. That's a uh, sort of a pitfall of like those super easy games. Right. Um, so let's go back a little bit to the beginning of your career. And who would you say is the biggest influence in you becoming a professional poker player? Hmm. I'm trying to think back, like there were, it's gotta be, it's gotta be some people on, it's gotta be some people on Twitch. Cause that's like, really, that's where I got started, you know, first got started like taking poker more seriously. I was actually, I was, I was playing poker for funny enough, <laughs> very, very relevant right now. I was playing poker for Dogecoin is the, is really the first <laughs> time I, I like grinded it out. There's a, I don't know if you saw, I tweeted the other day. It's, it's my, it's my Bitcoin pizza on that poker sheeps site. Um, there was a Dogecoin poker site. I had, I was sitting at a table with 1.2 million Dogecoin, which is just like, you know, like $300,000 worth of 
of dogecoin right now yeah you know, I, I sold it all for like a grand of bitcoin <laughs> like you know which which did well and, and has made me plenty of money and all that stuff but just funny but um it's got to be some you know <clears throat> jason somerville i think you know kind of the the godfather of of twitch poker you know he's really the first one that i that i watched and you know then i got into it with some friends you know we we'd stream on twitch this home game on that on that little crypto site um you know we just all sit up basically 20 and l cash game and shoot the shit and kind of just... what was it what was it about jason somerville or those twitch streamers that resonated with you in a way that you were like i want to do that i don't think it was i, I don't think it was that like it wasn't that clear an epiphany or whatever. It wasn't like just one day I was watching and be like, man, I really want to do that. It was just, it was more just like that was entertainment. And so you, you end up, you know, if you're watching, if that becomes your entertainment, right. I was interested in poker just as a, you know, I like to play it and didn't ever consider it a thing. It was going to be my career, but if you're interested in something and you watch a lot of it, you know, you, you, you get, you almost get, better just by you know osmosis so to speak like you, you have kind of no choice but to start understanding some things a little bit more you know than you maybe otherwise would so uh kind of it was nothing like that i just i enjoyed the you know i enjoyed the content creation aspect of it i did always kind of think like man it's a shame that i never really got into like making YouTube, like being some sort of a content creator. And I, I didn't, I didn't really have like video editing skills or want to take on the, you know, take on the challenge of coming up with content like that, you know, but when it was more in a, like a live uh, stream of consciousness, you know, you know, record everything type, deal that that was more my strong suit so to speak so that's kind of why i got into that and then it just sort of when you have something like this that's a hobby and it's costing you money or you're like breaking even or making a tiny bit of money it just sort of automatically becomes the 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 natural inclination to just try and get better try and improve and you know surrounded myself with some friends that were better than me and ultimately got a little bit better and a little bit better and next thing you know it's like oh I, I could actually kind of make some money in this and i really enjoy it more than doing anything else but yeah i, I would say i would say jason obviously and then really kind of came up just a little bit before me he was uh, he's a good friend of mine is, is uh pav all in pav uh, <clears throat> he really you know i, I watched him go from micro grinder in his mom's basement like streaming on there and turn into both you know one of the top poker players and one of the top twitch streamers you know basically from the ground up so i would say he was a pretty big inspiration and like i said he and i are he and i are good friends so that was very cool to sort of watch him from the ground up you know we used to host each other i'd host him for 30 viewers and he'd host me for 200 you know so <laughs> But yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's interesting the tr the Twitch trajectory. I I know that like Matt Staples also has like a pretty giant following now. 
um, streaming. And he kind of started from the micros as well of like, you know, he had his brother obviously to help him out with viewership and just knowing where all the buttons were, but really just like that journey from like starting out playing really small to leveling up and playing much bigger. I, I think that's probably a really cool experience for regular Twitch viewers. Yeah. I mean, he's like, he's like one of the most impressive obviously the most impressive of that not not didn't happen on twitch but just like the most well-known and impressive of journey from the micros up that everybody kind of knows about is ali mzirovic of course who's just like an end boss now you know <laughs> like, like not only just a really good poker player like a literal plays the highest stakes and seems to just win every tournament that he enters, <laughs> you know, it's sort of the, obviously not actually the case, but really does seem like that. If you, over the last three years, I mean, the kid has just, just remarkable. And he was playing, you know, 50 NL online, like not that, that long ago. And it's pretty well documented sort of his, his journey up there, but Matt's got to be off the top of my head from somebody that I know, you know, that journey is documented from the micros up to kind of the highest stakes online. I mean, Matt's got to be up there and he's just, you know, really, really impressive with how his game, you know, has progressed and everything. I have no idea how he does it. I don't know how any, I don't know how anybody does it like that. I mean, I just, uh, it's, it's remarkable to me, you know, I'm, I'm certainly lazy. Uh, that's, that's my, but I don't, I don't want to say I'm lazy. I, I, you know, I, I play a ton. I I play more hours than a lot of people do in general, but I, you know, putting in the time to study, I do it, but I don't do it nearly as much. Like if I, if I could convert my work ethic to play, because I just enjoy playing and I don't enjoy studying. I mean, I think that's a common I think that's a common thing among a lot of players. You know, I, I do this for a living because I enjoy playing the game. You know, it, it is ultimately at the end of the day, it's, a, it's playing a game for a living. We call it the grind and everything, but it, it doesn't almost ever feel like that to me. Uh, but the grind part is the, uh, is the sitting down and studying and, and doing some other things away from the table to make yourself better. And I, I just, I don't, necessarily always have it in me to to put in the kind of time that I would like to or or probably should or whatever so people like that that I can very clearly see you know put in that time didn't just get lucky and win some you know Sunday million for infinite or whatever and, and that just launched them you know actually put in the time and and just consistently get bigger and bigger scores clearly grinded it out off the table that's always that's honestly the most impressive thing to me rather than somebody that can play a lot i mean you you for somebody that doesn't like studying you you sort of have built a good situation for yourself right like living in a house where everybody plays poker you kind of can't help but study and discuss hands and learn i mean my my roommate and i that that sits you know or like sits we can hear him feet. typing sometimes. Yeah. Thirty, yeah, thirty feet from me. I'm in a different place from the last time where where we were all three in the 
in the living room. Uh, I'm, I, I've moved to the kitchen now. He's in the living room and Melissa's upstairs. <laughs> upstairs. Brian's downstairs. So we've, we've got four of us, you know, we, we've hit all four corners of the house here, but, um, but yeah, we, uh, I mean, you know, we send, we send hands back and forth while we're playing, like just send a screenshot and talk about it across the room. Just like, you know, all the time, like, you know, would you fold here in this spot? Like, does he ever have bluffs, whatever, just random stuff like that, where, like you said, it's, it's just built in, you know, with, with, uh, you know, your former and upcoming guest, uh, Golden Blazer with Brian, you know, he and I more so, a lot, a lot of our hand histories are from live, uh, live things, and they're, and they're more just like funny stories, so to speak, but there, there is a lot of, a lot of those hand histories are, are really kind of how you make, how in my opinion you make the most money in live uh in live cash and it's just like how to take the maximum money from the whale right yeah there's there's like a ton there's a ton of people that i always play with that like it'll be some reg and i can tell that he's good and i can tell that he studies but he's just like he's like trying to play back at me and he's just like forgetting to take you know he's like taking the same lines against me as he's taking against the whale it's just like mechanical it's just that like they just they want to play this, try and play, you know, for lack of a better word, you know, try and play like the GTO bot style, whatever, and, and they just just forget to take all the money from the whale. And it's like this guy wants to give you his money. Like he literally, if you asked him, he might tell you, "Yeah, I'm gonna give all this money away, and then I'm gonna, you know, go up to the room and like whatever. Like that's that's what he's gonna do." Yeah, I got news for anybody listening that thinks that not maximizing profit against a whale is GTO. And the news <laughs> is that's not GTO at all. Um, you're, you're trying, you're, you're fooling yourself. And the reality is against, you know, against the weaker players, it's quite easy to devise winning strategies. It's there's not like a, a lack of ways to beat them, but it does take some effort in finding the best or the most profitable winning strategies. Like, and that's where the focus should be. And it's like, why rest on your laurels when you're like beating a whale out of some money, like be greedy, try to maximize it, find the max exploits in these spots. Yeah. I actually, I can I have a, a pretty funny story. This, this guy at the win the other night and he was, he was drinking, uh, he was drinking vodka sodas and I, I had ordered a, some other drink, whatever. And he, he was like making fun of whatever I was drinking, like whatever, just just because. <clears throat> so I was like, oh, okay, I'll, I'll drink, I'll drink what you're drinking with you. And uh, it's like switched to his drink, and he ended up like a couple of times, talk, you know, talking about talking about leaving or doing whatever. And then he, like, the cocktail waitress would come up and he'd order us two drinks, and then and then just stay. Like, so we, you know, we were having a blast, like having fun doing whatever. And ended up, I'm just like, this guy's got like $1,400 in front of him and there's just zero chance that he's not going to dust it all off and end up getting in a hand with him that uh, on the river, I, I reverse straight on a four liner and he, the dealer points to him because it's on him and he just flips his cards over because he thinks it, like the hand's over and we're tabling it. He's kind of set. <laughs> like that comes <laughs> straight and then he's like, oh, 
So cool that I check. And then he like flips his cards back over. I'm sitting right next to him. I've obviously seen them. Yeah, <laughs> like right. flips them back over, and then he and then he checks. And I'm just like sitting there. And I'm like, uh, okay, <laughs> like, <laughs> how much money is this guy going to give me when he knows I've seen his cards? Right. <laughs> so oh, I bet God. like I bet like three hundred dollars. Right. And he's just like in the tank, and he just looks at me. He's like, "You saw my cards, right?" And I was like, "I just was, all I said was like." I'm in a weird spot here, man. Like, like, I don't know. I don't know what to do. Like, we're having fun and whatever. It's still, you know, this is still my living. <laughs> and he's like, he's like, oh, well, I got a set. I got a call. <laughs> like, pays me off. It's like, I was just thinking to myself, like, imagine bluffing in that spot, right? Like, imagine thinking <laughs> that you should have a bluff when this guy has just shown you his cards and he has a set. Like, yeah, but. it's, I mean, Again, like like we were just saying, it's uh, it's easy to find winning strategies <laughs> playing live poker. Sometimes they just show you their cards accidentally, yeah. <laughs> and, then... <laughs> and that's it. <laughs> then I won the hand. Yeah. Then you won the hand, right? Yeah, right. Like that, that's the hand. That's the hand history. You know, he showed me his cards, and, and then I bet. <laughs> I was trying to figure out how much I should bet against him. Then he showed me how strong his hand was, and I knew. <laughs> yep, you you found the optimal size with. Uh, <laughs> extra little data point that he revealed. <laughs> tell me, tell me a story about either your favorite session ever or a very memorable session. Re- you know, in recent memory, I, I think I always have these like really crazy, funny and like good sessions for sure over the years. Um, and I'm, I'm like, I'm like trying to think back, uh, but there, there's, there's one recently that was, that was pretty absurd. I, I ended up, the game was kind of, the game, it was, it's like a Thursday night. It was, it was during March Madness weekend. So I was just the, the first uh, opening weekend of the tournament. I was just kind of living at the casino because that's one of the top, that's one of the top five poker weekends in Vegas. This is like Thursday night after all the games and everything. And the game had kind of died and I was probably getting ready to leave soon. And these uh these four guys showed up and were buying into the the one three game that's the five hundred cap with five hundred chips. <laughs> like with, with the with the five hundred dollar chip. So I like I had enough money on the table, I like changed one of them. And I would literally just like change one of these things and within a half hour win it win all that money back <laughs> and they would pull out yeah. another one and I would like change it <laughs> with them again. Yeah. But they were all four buddies and they were like at different tables, like combining onto our table. And uh one of them was kept calling me Larry. So I just went with it and was Larry that night. And uh they were actually what was really funny about it is like they they knew that I was good. They identified that I was good. They kept losing like huge pots to me. And uh, they just, the whole time we were just goofing around, like kind of shit talking each other, whatever. And just, they were having a blast. And and that was, it was one of those things where like, they just didn't care at all that, <laughs> that I was taking all their money just because we were having fun and I wasn't being like an asshole to them, which is I think kind of the common thing, you know, and you deal with a bunch of stuff. Like they, you know, one of them was like, falling asleep between hands and i'm just like tapping him waking him up you know before like hey wake up whatever but uh that i think that that one in recent memory i mean i I ended up i ended up cashing out you know four four purple chips in a in a 
one three game. <laughs> like I ended up having to like that. That was strict. Honestly, honestly, just because of the denomination of chip that they bought in with that that session was was more funny because I've I've never had like a stack that looked like that in a one three game before, right? Like it would usually be, uh, you know, having having like twenty eight hundred dollars in a one three game would usually look a lot more <laughs> messy than this just clean whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, that one was good. Obviously, that that night I was saying that with the uh, the guy with the, with the vodka sodas um, was was pretty good. And then just yeah, I, I would say that's that's probably in recent memory my my most enjoyable session for sure. I have a a funny little side story here. Uh, I was playing at Commerce this one time, and this kid ran it up playing ten twenty to like over twenty thousand, and he was torturing everyone all day. Not me. I was like somehow just avoiding his torture. He was like playing every hand and just torturing everyone. And somewhere around noon, he had been playing all night. Like he fell asleep. Like he he slept for like three hours. Like we were just like waking him up in between hands. Yeah. And so he was like folding a lot more over these three hours too. He's like folding. And afterwards, one of the regs, uh, a friend of mine, we were chatting about it. And he's like, yeah, he's like, he, he went insane for like 10 hours and then like fell asleep. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like at the table. literally, just hoping, just literally hoping, and figuratively. Second wind. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He, he literally and figuratively fell asleep at the table for three hours and then woke up and basically ended up dusting it all off um, over the next five hours or so. Oh, that's yeah. the best. Uh, you, you'll love a story with a happy ending. I've, uh, I've had a lot of, uh, I've had a lot of like, I just get an absurd an absurd whale play lose the hand and you know in, in some absurd fashion and and just think okay you know whatever and then they just within one orbit just get up and you just, just watch them walk out <laughs> yeah like, this is, it's always so sad this it, kid it, it, i think this kid a- was destined to destined to give it back and fortunately yeah. fortunately for me i i pretty much got all of it um, yeah, that's the best. <laughs> it was uh, it was a very good session. Um, with the cherry on top being that the rags or pros that I played with, uh, one of them just said, "I hate you." Um, yeah. <laughs> when, yeah. When it all went down, I hate you, and I I I felt very very smug about myself in that moment. I, I had a I had a I was on the opposite side of of one recently where uh, this game was this game was super absurd because mostly because of one whale and there was a couple you know a couple other people that weren't very good like at the table it was like me and two me and two regs and, and we're just kind of like lying in wait whatever and i'd like early on i'd like flopped a set and check raise and one two the whale and another guy came along and the other guy like always has a flush draw on the spot like there was no question about it and like the flush draw bricks out on the river and like the whale leads lead, lead shows i call the other guy folds and and he's he just he just had a, a just a naked gutter that just spiked on it it's like the most innocuous river just naked gutter just spiked it on the river like the whole time it was like just this massive pot whatever and uh i ended up you know like there all night we're, we're down to where we're playing five-handed me three regs and this whale and the game's still good just because of it and I just watch him dust it all off to another guy I kind of know. And uh, <laughs> just like, 
just sitting there like oh man and, and like the guy pulls out 500 dollars more sets it on the table we're like okay we're still we're still good to go here and he just like sits there and then he just like picks it back up and puts it back in his pocket and sits there at the table still so we're just like playing each other waiting right trying to figure out what's going on here nobody's gonna say anything right we're just like if he, if he wants to he just sits there for like five more minutes gets up goes and smokes a cigarette comes back grabs his stuff and just leaves i was like oh, <laughs> oh no i did the same thing to that guy i was like i just it's like i hate you <laughs> like, but we had we had been talking about kind of like privately talking like i didn't speak very much english anyway we've been talking and like this game is literally any hand away from breaking like we talked about that a bunch it's like at any moment <laughs> this hand could all of a sudden this game could just be done yeah, it's sometimes, especially as it relates to fish or whales, you, you don't even know what to root for. Yeah. You don't know whether to root for them to double up because it's sometimes... they like, might leave. They might leave. So it's yeah. like, basically, I, I think I always root for like small wins and small losses. No big major swing either yeah, way. Yeah, no, no blood. <laughs> yeah, no, no, you're, you're, abs- you're absolutely right because it literally could be that. So sometimes, sometimes there's an infinite supply of, of money that they'll just keep rebuying but if they get up they they know i mean most of these people they have money they're mostly intelligent people some of them have gambling problems some of them have drinking problems whatever but some of them just like playing poker and some of them just as like a hobby poker yeah, yeah for sure a, a lot of times they're they're successful people they're intelligent they're just not good at cards right or they're just kind of d gems or whatever so it's like they get it they know that they are losing right it's not like it's not like they're the ones the whales don't think they're not whales the the like old man coffee types that slowly bleed out money over the course of whatever their don't life realize, <laughs> don't realize that they're losing money to the rake basically this is like essentially what they're doing and they, they only play places with promos right so they're losing even more money to the rake like they're losing an extra two bucks a hand that they occasionally win so it's like, but like the the whales know they're whales. Like they're they have no they have no confusion there. So it's like sometimes, like you said, they get up a little bit and they're like, "Oh yeah, I'm out." <laughs> yep, I'm out, guys. See ya. I'm gonna go see how it goes in blackjack. <laughs> All right. <laughs> What's interesting about old man coffee and just humans in general is like there are resources out there that you could learn from if you were just willing to invest or put in some time or energy um i I, it just boggles my mind that it's like why why are you this way when it doesn't have to be this way i don't think that that's the issue i don't think the issue is a lack of willingness to like put in the time i mean i think that might be a little bit of a part of it honestly like in my experience with with my dad and like it's kind of as my dad gets older it he there could be there could be something that i know a lot about and he does not know very much about him like trusting somebody else's like opinion or advice on anything is just not so like you could you could show all the numbers all the everything lay it all out there and he's just like, no, nah, no, I, I know better. Like, I'm right. <laughs> so I, I, honestly, I think it's more just that stubborn arrogance, that stubborn arrogance, right? And it's like just a general distrust for 
know, kind of what others that, you know, a distrust for like, oh yeah, if that information was really right, like everybody would be good. So that information that's out there can't be right. I'll just trust me because I'm smart. I know. Yeah. You you know why the information's out there and not everybody's good is that (laughs) very few people (laughs) take the energy to execute and learn. Um, it's why like at the, the biggest misnomer as it relates to poker strategy is like, you know, I, I could just say publicly things that I know will print money and 99.2% of people would not even fucking believe me or listen to me or take it seriously. (laughs) What a, one of the first times I met uh, Nick Papillo, who's, who's a good friend now, one of the first times I met him, I was just, I, and I, like, I'd never do this, and he was totally right. I was, I was just flustered in a satellite because I had, like, I should have had a seat locked up. And because these people were doing these absurd things, it was, like, now jeopardizing me having a seat locked up. And uh, I, like, I like said something, I, I can't remember it for the life of me what it was, but I said something like basically told them what a better strategy would be <laughs> and, and whatever. And like break came and Nick like walked up to me and was like, dude, don't, don't tell them, don't, don't tell them that. Don't say that, whatever. Like he knows I'm, I play poker for a living. He plays poker for a living. He's like, don't tell them that. I go, Nick, I could lay out a perfect strategy of exactly how to play these things. I could prove that it was a winning perfect strategy and they still wouldn't listen. They, they still absolutely would not listen. And that's that was sort of, and he, he just kind of like, he kind of looked at me and he just like shrugged, <laughs> and just walked away. And then, and then he would get back to the table and he watched them like do all whatever. And then he just like looked at me and smiled. <laughs> I was like, yeah, see, I told you. Yeah. Unless it's not something that becomes very apparent until you're in like the poker coaching scene and you see, mistakes made over and over and over again and it's like what is happening here like you we've covered this and it's just like over and over and and you just realize that like it's not as simple as just telling somebody oh do this and then everybody just does that moving forward like uh nick howard actually tweeted something out probably a year ago and it was a question of like basically how, what are some of the bigger exploits or the mistakes that you see people make in cash games? And he just said very publicly his opinion. And I saw that and I immediately instituted what he said into my game. Like it was like overnight. It was like, Oh, basically what he said was bluff more, call more on rivers. And I was like, okay, that's a thing I can do. I like bluffing and I like calling. And nothing was ever said about it after that. But like, it was just funny to me. Like he just lays it out there publicly says what in his mind is the truth. And in my experience is also the truth and people don't care. They're not even happy about it. Nobody's willing to execute on this information. And it just kind of boggles my mind. I've definitely found myself like I, I do. You know, I, I do study study some things. You know, I, I watch watching training videos is like the best way for me personally to to study because uh, I can kind of yeah you know, I can I like to see things visually and that's like a good 
kind of a good medium for me. And then, and then I can just like kind of go back in the video and, and like rewatch a spot or whatever if I kind of confused about something or whatever. But like, I definitely have picked up a lot of things that I that I have implemented into my game and seen work. But like lately, I've seen myself just autopilot reverting back to like old habits and stuff where it's it's like leaks that I feel like I've plugged or or just kind of tiny bits of EV that I've found a way to to get. And then I just like like just check check raising spots, check raising spots from the big blind with uh, you know, with just backdoor stuff and everything. Like I'd gotten really good at finding those spots, the the Ryan the plant special, if you will. Like it, you know, kind of his if you watch any of uh if you watch any of the learn grow poker stuff you'll see like that that's like ryan's gonna find check raise spots from the from the blinds with just total backdoor whatever like all the time like he's just gonna be that's like probably the biggest thing that he's gonna find with people and mm -hmm. i kind of like started to plug that and like i literally noticed more recently that i'm like oh i'm i'm not doing that again it, it, you know and some of that may have to do with you know, playing live cash and stuff where I'm probably I'm just, I'm just not doing that as much because generally speaking, if they see bet a lot, a lot of these archetypes are not just auto see betting. They just, if they see bet, they have it and so you could just play accordingly. They're not going to fold to a check raise, but yeah, the lister is probably going to get tired of me saying this, but like playing low stakes live cash game is a great way for your game to start deteriorating. Sure. And kind of just getting worse like, i do just... i do i do mix it up you know like i said i i i still play plenty online you know i'm streaming again now that uh that i have a affiliate deal with ignition you know so i'm streaming again on twitch so i'm you know i, I play online every sunday and i play at least one other day a week online i'm still playing still playing mtts you know i i uh i made day two of that 800 at Venetian this past weekend and unfortunately dusted it off on day two, but still, still playing plenty of stuff like that. But definitely, it definitely, I go into just like auto, I mean, some days I generally try to be pretty social. It's a lot harder now with the plexiglass and everything, but in general, you know, like I was talking about earlier, the, the, the whales typically enjoy playing with me, which is, I think, a very, good uh, underrated skill to have um i don't do it i don't do it because i like owe anything to the game i think a lot of people have that xyz is bad for poker so you shouldn't do it sort of thing and i've always i've always been of the opinion that like you don't owe anything to the game just by like for its longevity or whatever i understand the thought process that you do but like i i just don't I see there's plenty of new whales coming in. There's always going to be more whatever. I don't personally think that I do it. I do it strictly because like, that's one, that's the kind of person I am. That'll make it more enjoyable for me. And then also it's for my own. So it's, it's not for the game. It's for me. <laughs> like it's my own selfish interest. Like that's the reason I'm going to be try to be enjoyable at the table is that hopefully this guy that, you know, just, just dust it off however much we'll want to reload and keep playing because he's having fun. Yeah. And I, I think too, like I, I've always done it for me too, really. Yeah. If I really think about it, just because 
it's more fun to laugh. Yeah. It's more, oh, I agree. It's, it's a more enjoyable experience to have fun and, you know, just have the, that experience, right? It's not a yeah. very fun experience sitting in the one seat with a yeah. hoodie on the whole time and especially shade. Now, especially now because you're enclosed in a plexiglass in the one seat, like on all right. sides. Just being like <laughs> a, a robot that doesn't really respond to anybody or interact. That's never really appealed to me, I guess, different strokes yeah. for different folks. But like, I enjoy having fun, getting to know people. And I value the experience of like spending 10 hours doing this thing. I definitely, uh, I definitely about 10% of the time, sometimes it has to do with somebody at the table is driving me crazy and I don't have the temperament that I'm not going to eventually snap uh, or, or just that, um, you know, just kind of how I'm feeling in my head space. Like if I don't really want to play or whatever, maybe like 10% of the time, I always keep a tablet in my backpack and I'll just pull it out and just watch like a TV show the entire time and, you know, put in a 10 hour session or something, just doing that where I know that if I didn't do that two hours and I would just, be like i'm going home <laughs> like forget this whatever so i would say like 90 percent of the time you know I, I don't do that at all i'm just sitting there no headphones not listening to anything just talking to people and kind of trying to pay attention to i mean you're playing one table so it's like a i think it's a it's a pretty crazy leap that a lot of people have like you're playing one table and people just do not watch hands that they're not in like they just have no idea. They're just sitting on their phone doing whatever. Like I do it every once in a while, but like for the most part, I'm watching these hands because it's like if you see somebody catastrophically misplay something and they're still at your table, like that was just. It's not like you're playing ten tables online where you're gonna miss that kind of stuff. Like it's it was right there. It was right there in front of you. Like you know, you really shouldn't miss that sort of thing. So kind of for those reasons, I don't. I try not to like zone out and watch tv or listen to <laughs> podcasts or something like there's a cost right like there there's a cost to mm-hmm. spending time on your phone and your ipad while you're playing poker whether or not you're aware of the cost there's right. an actual cost you miss a data point that and sometimes maybe it doesn't come into play but then other times maybe your whole night your whole session hinges on you paying attention to a hand that was played so right. that you know, that, that sways a future decision one way or the other. And it's just like, it's free. It's sitting there. It's available. And yeah, it's hard for me to hard for me to see somebody as like a professional poker player. If they're not taking that seriously, because that's just like part of the gig. There's a life EV cost though, too, where just like the, the sort of enjoyment of zoning out for a little bit, you know, kind of can 10%. I, I'm cool with, you know, 10%, you yeah. do your thing. Um, right. When it's 75% yeah, or, yeah, for or sure. 90%, no, I, oof, that's yeah. a problem. I see I see people like that all the time. I mean, there's uh, a, a buddy of mine had tweeted about it, you know, it was, I think during March Madness weekend, you're like one of the top five Vegas weekends for poker, all these like local regs, still saw them sitting there, headphones on, watching their iPad, like not paying attention to anything. And it's yeah. like, yeah, you, you, can, you can still... You can still print in these games just by playing Super ABC, but like, you know, you might win $10 an hour more if you're just paying attention, literally based on what you said. Right. And that's the thing. 
those people that do that will listen to this podcast. They will hear right. the words and then they'll go to the table and they'll open their fucking iPad up. Yeah. Just like the other 80% of the times that they do it. Right. So well, again, like tie it back into yeah. We can yeah. tie it back into like, you can say whatever you want, put it out mm-hmm. there. Doesn't mean people are going to like take action and execute. Right. Yeah, for sure. You've survived pre-flop boot camp. You've shot the fish in a barrel. Now, prepare yourself for the feeding frenzy. A comprehensive strategy for gutting every fish in your player pool. Data-driven hero bluffs, light call-downs, and perfect value bets that are maximally designed to hurt some feelings. Feeding Frenzy. Available now at ChasingPokerGreatness.com slash Feeding Frenzy. What's a purchase you've made over the past year that's been impactful to your poker game? Doesn't necessarily have to be like directly poker related. Uh, what is the purchase I made last year? Let me think about that for a second. Um, well, I, I bought the uh, <laughs> I bought the, uh, the the barstool sports hoodie that says it's only money. And, and that's been impactful on my poker game because if I wear it, you absolutely cannot bluff. <laughs> I've learned I've learned that information. Um, I think uh, I, I haven't. I don't. I don't buy a lot of things. Period. Like I'm pretty. I'm a pretty like low cost. So especially during the especially during the pandemic, I'm like looking around my desk. (laughs) I'm like looking around my desk to see if I have anything that, that I've, uh, that I've bought. It's like almost nothing. I'll give uh, you a a little bit of help. Um, Chewy, Andrew Lichtenberger was just on the podcast and he bought a Tesla and the way that he framed it was that he, he views the Tesla as a reminder that if you work hard, you put in the work that like, you do get rewards and that's sort of how he frames that, which I think is a, I mean, I, I think that's just a really cool framing of like some purchase that has really nothing to do with poker. And yet it's a reminder that like you put in the work, good things happen. I I will say that. um, So I, I always save up my, uh, I always save up my like poker comps and everything and just go, uh, Plus, and I'll go to like a steakhouse and have like a really nice dinner versus, you know, getting a bunch of like little $10 meals and stuff at the casino with whatever. So I, I, I think somewhat similarly, that's sort of a reward mechanism for the grind. That That's something again, I, I didn't, I, I mean, I quote unquote purchased it with uh, your time you know, with my time. Exactly. So it's just like even, even more important, you know, it's, and it's like, you know, you make whatever hourly, let's say you make $40 an hour and you get like $1 an hour in comps, right? Like that, that $1 is kind of nothing, whatever. But like, once you put in a bunch of time just to sort of take that and, and treat yourself with it, whatever. Um, so I, I would say that that's sort of a, along the lines of, of what you said there, just to kind of remind myself that like the grind, you know, it pays off whatever you, you just give myself a positive association with sort of all the hours rather than think of it as like wow this this meal cost me 50 hours of my time and, and like whatever 
Um, but yeah. Would, yeah, I love that. Uh, I love that. Again, it's just a reminder that like you're doing the work, right? Like you're putting yeah. in the work, you're doing the time, and good things happen when you put in the work. That are that are uh, a massage every couple of weeks because my back just my back and neck just absolutely get just destroyed by this awful thing. Um, I need to purchase a gym membership because I'm just uh, I walked from <laughs> I literally made myself walk from. Venetian to, to win after I busted the tournament the other day. I was like, I'm just going to leave my car here. It's nice outside and walk over here. And I was just like, some some uh, older lady pushing a guy in a wheelchair past me. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, I, I wasn't even walking that slow, but it was like really, really funny. I was like, I watched it. I was like, man, it's like, I need to, I need to hit the gym now. <laughs> like, this, is, this might be my wake up call that uh, it's time to go. Yeah, I, I was. I felt that I was in pretty good shape in Yosemite and me and my brother-in-law did like a, it was like a 12 mile hike at, yeah. at elevation. And we were like going up to the top and like, I was just dying. I was like, I can't even, um, I feel like I'm just going to die. And this older couple who looked like they were full of life and energy and joy past me going down. Yeah. And I was like, I was like, Hey, are we almost there? And they're like, no, not really. <laughs> you still got a ways to go. I was like, Oh fuck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I've, I've, I've basically, I've seen that story before. And I used to, I used to hike a, a bit in, in San Diego and we definitely had that story before. Where we were just like, how on earth are you? <laughs> totally fine right now i gotta sit on a rock and take a i gotta sit on a rock and take a 20 minute breather here yeah uh another one was um we were looking at the sequoias we we're doing a hike to look at the sequoias and there was a family there that had this little girl who had to be like six and that kid was like skipping up yeah. the hills and like walking little, backwards monkeys, talk, yeah. walking backwards <laughs> talking to us i'm like yeah. what on earth is happening right now yeah, like that kid just that kid just grew up hiking like just that's the muscle memory it's all you know it's all pretty much there there was somebody on um there was somebody on rogan's podcast that they like hike all the time and and their their kids like hike with them and and they like they like carry the kids or the kids like uh, just since they were toddlers they just that's part of the that's part of the deal and they're just going to have grown up doing that so it'll just be a 100 percent natural thing like that but uh, i used i i was so um we're getting close to hopefully close to end the pandemic you know obviously vaccination numbers and everything are up and the covid numbers are down so i'm, I'm really hoping that um there's a there's a gym right down the street from us that has a basketball court you know like once that once that reopens like i think that'll be really good because that's the always the one that was like the one thing with, that i could do cardio wise i enjoy playing basketball so i would play for like two three hours three times a week when i lived in san diego on an outdoor court so that was always kind of i definitely am looking forward to when when that's open again and maybe getting a little bit more a little bit back into shape now but well you live in a good place too for, for like sure. accountability and partners and like just having a crew to go do stuff with that's really yeah, invaluable definitely. for sure what's a book related thing that other people rave about 
that hasn't worked for you? And why do you think it didn't work? You know, I think meditation is, is probably, it's probably one for me. I mean, I've, I've tried it some and never really, never really found too much benefit from it. I, I also, I, I get, I don't know. I don't really get the like poker fatigue mentally, so to speak, that, that a lot of people do. I, I've always attributed this to like studying for the California bar right like that was the hardest thing that I've ever done in my life and it was like 13 hour mentally grinding days for two months straight pretty much every day and like I kind of feel like if I could get through that <laughs> you know I could if I could get through that poker's kind of nothing to me whatever but you know I, I've tried it um I, you know I, I did try to like put in the time and do whatever and I just I just didn't personally see you know maybe there was benefit but I didn't personally see or feel sort of benefit from that um, that that's probably the one that that jumps out to me yeah meditation's a, a big one in the in the poker scene and sure. it's i think that like it's just different strokes for different folks some sure oh, really... I, I, de- I definitely believe it works for people i just i just don't think that my mind is uh you know i, I don't think that that's the way that i'm wired so to speak for that to be helpful to me maybe i'm just wrong like maybe i should just continue to do it and and whatever but if i try something long enough and don't really see any benefit i have a hard time just you know sort of that mentality that uh, you know other people don't know what's best for me right well again it, it like some things resonate some things don't some things yeah. you find value in and some things you don't i i think that the only thing you can do is just consistently try different stuff to figure out what what works for you specifically what's your uh what's your poker related thing that you don't you don't find benefit in that you think others do uh i don't do a lot of pio (laughs) that's a solver work yeah Yeah, that that's a thing that i don't put a lot of time into um poker wise is just pio i i'm the data-driven aspect of poker makes a lot more sense to me than Pio does. Yeah. And yeah, I think maybe at some point in the future, solvers will be more precise than they are now, but now they're, I just kind of view them as like uh, giant calculators that are heavily reliant on you putting the right stuff in them. I, uh, I have it and I have, like I occasionally run some spots just to like look at stuff, whatever, but I find very little value in, in looking at it myself. Uh, I find a lot more value in there's a, there's a, like a study group that I'm in with some people that you know, we, we meet once a week and, and go over some hands. And I think that uh, my personal opinion is that the depths to which they want to go into like one hand on is, is kind of a waste of time. But like, I, I still join in and listen because if there's some value to, to be had with that and like they you know they always when when they look at a, a pio spot they always look at like they're trying to figure out not like what's the optimal thing to do here but like look at everything and try and figure out why it's choosing like some hands to balance here with and, and stuff like that so i find a lot more value in that than just like you know what's the range that i should be c betting on xyz board or like, why should, why should this hand be in this double barrel range? And then this hand, like, why, why does it choose this card? You know, and it has to do with a lot of something that I don't think about 
very much at all like or didn't think about very much at all into this and i'm trying to get more in the mode of it but chooses hands that like block or unblock like the back door flush draw like that the other person will have so like it stuff like that that i would never really think about right like i see see that constant that's like a constant thing in, in pio that, oh for uh, sure it finds a lot of it's choosing it's choosing like when, when i'm looking at all the cards all right on the turn like what what ones it bets and what ones it doesn't and i'm like why would king of diamonds jack of spades be different than king of hearts jack of so like there's no draw with either of these they like you know what I mean? it just has to do with that they block the backdoor float that they might have had on the flop or just something like that but. well to it there's a full picture of things that are happening right and like yeah. the hands that it chooses to bluff with it chooses because on various turns it's a good combo to show up with on these specific turns so that you have enough bluffs to go along with your value on the flop and like there's a lot of these like interactive properties with like choosing what's is seemingly like random hands to check raise yeah. the flop with but there's a reason um in the future that we just don't really see or it's not clear to us yeah yeah i was i was listening to i was listening to bro because actually last night i was, I was listening to an older podcast that he and carlos were doing and they're talking about he's like talking about a hand and He's like like Jack Nine suited on like Queen Five Three, Queen Five Four, with two of his suit. He's like, uh, do we want to check raise this or just check call? And he's like, oh, I just want to check call. I think because uh, if I check raise and then I hit a Jack or a Nine, I'm not really confident I'm good. But if I check call, I think I preserve my pair outs being good. That was just like that was such a like that, that was just like it's kind of like a simple thing to say, whatever. Where it's like by by check raising all of a sudden like, if you hit a jack or a nine you probably aren't good but if you check call a lot of time you you are good when you when you hit those cards and whatever so i kind of liked that just like I, I do love when like little random things that are not like it's not really all that profound right it's just something like that but it just like kind of clicks and resonates with you where you're like wow just hearing somebody say that uh, out loud <laughs> you know my, you know might definitely have an effect where it's like that could be that's a spot that i definitely am in a lot right right it ga i mean uh, gaining clarity or visibility on like any blind spots that you have even like yeah. small things like that is just exciting like in my opinion it, it this yeah. is what makes me excited about poker is like gaining yeah. visibility of something that i'd never even considered before it's like holy shit that's awesome yeah now i get to basically somewhere down the line put this in practice and see what yeah. happens and that's fun. Now, now, now i'm going to put it in practice either too much and, <laughs> and, not, and not uh and it won't work and then i'll convince myself that it's bad or or i'll uh you know the good news under, is under apply it yeah the, the good news is the better you get at poker though the more of these things you can find and the more correctly you can apply them uh the worse you are at poker you get some information like that and there's just so much room for misapplication in improper spots. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, just the better you get, it's like the information is more valuable because you, you know what you're supposed to do <laughs> and what yeah. it's supposed to look like. For sure. What are some things you wish you said no to more often in poker? Calling river bets. <laughs> that's honestly, that's the, that like just bluff catching in a lot of spots that because like 
the problem is you don't have to be right like more than half the time usually ever if you don't have to be right that often never never more than half yeah never more than half right exactly you don't have to be right (laughs) like you don't have to yeah exactly never more than half you don't have to be right all that often and you like the the like the reward mechanism in it when you're when you are correct is so much stronger than the uh than the the negative when you're incorrect right like it's 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 fun to hero call and be right right like it's it's a it's a really bad positive reward system uh and it gives you you know it gives you bad feedback i think well that. i was i was just gonna say like it's funny because some people are constructed the opposite way in that they're always looking to find a fold and yeah. happy to always find a fold when they don't need to be right so much and somebody the other day i made a tweet that said uh basically bad calls shouldn't give you nightmares but bad folds should and somebody replied with looks on the surface to be a well-thought-out argument of well if i fold i don't lose anything and i consider that a win and Mm. i i would just make the argument that opportunity cost issue yeah kind of right if you're playing a hundred thousand dollar pot you've got a royal well if you fold, technically you don't lose any money, but you kind of cost yourself money by folding, right? Like there is a loss associated with it. If you're consistently folding the best hand, getting a good price inappropriately, well, yeah, there's a cost. It's obvious. Somebody, uh, somebody just said, uh, how I, how I learned to be, how I learned to be less nitty in poker, even though I'm very nitty in my life, right? It's a professional poker player that's just you know nitty in life like how i learned is is that i started viewing folding hand or like not putting not putting money in that i could have won as a loss right like uh not not bluffing when you could win the pot that way or not you know making making the call when you're right enough of the time to make it profitable. Like you've started viewing that as a loss rather than just putting money in and actually losing the hand. So it's, it's exactly right. It's like the opportunity cost. I don't have that problem. I don't, I don't, I don't look for, I don't look for any reason to fold, but it's, you know, in our, uh, our, our mantra, if you will, the thing that we say the most here is they always have it, you know, and, and that's, and that's true at a lot of the it's true in a lot of the games that that i've you know that we play it's you know it's not necessarily true at at some higher stakes and whatever and it's sort of why people people have that uh want to move up in stakes where they respect my raises or move up in stakes where they actually have bluffs or like whatever sort of thought and it's like that you know that that's short-sighted thinking to, to think that's well, the only yeah it's also just n- nonsensical well yeah of course but I, <laughs> well i the the move up in stakes where they respect my raises thing is nonsensical the idea of moving up in stakes where they actually have bluffs and spots where they like maybe should have bluffs is not nonsensical but it's also 
not valuable to you because if you understand that they don't have plus in the spot like in the states that you're playing if you understand that they for the most part do not have plus or you can identify those who do not have plus like you can just print money by folding against them <laughs> that's just the way that it is right and when you're when you're calling an old guy's check raise on the turn with one pair <laughs> it's uh you know it's it's very it's very silly <laughs> yeah i mean the exploit is obviously just a fold, right? Like that's yeah, that's course. what good poker play looks like. And um it's very weird though. It, it's a very weird concept for people to get that the exploit that you exploit MIDI players by folding. It's it seems weird because they think I'm not winning money by folding, but you, you are. You're you're not <laughs> you're avoiding loss by folding. And that that's that's literally winning money. Like you've entered this pot, you're given a, a, an option point. You choose to fold when you are not good. <laughs> like it, that's that's winning money. I, I think it has to do with like sunk cost and yeah. emotional investment, along with monetary investment. Because like nobody's gonna say like they fold do seven off under the gun and, and like struggled to do so, even though technically they just lost the hand without putting any money in the pot, do they consider that they just lost the hand in the same way that like you make a good fold on the turn, like you technically lose the hand, mm -hmm. but you don't lose more money, which is kind of the whole point of playing poker. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I, I will say like, I do, I do find the, I find it like annoying when I have like, I'm, I'm, I'm like on the button with eights or nines. Right. And like, it goes, raise under the gun call plus one three bet from plus two and just like have to fold right like i think that there's i i haven't put any money in the pot in that spot and i definitely <laughs> i get that a little bit the the sort of uh without the sunk cost thing but uh th th there's an attachment there's an attachment right to certain hands you see you know it's why it's why people will tell you that they lose more than 80 percent of the time with uh, or that they lose more than 20% of the time with aces versus an under pair. It's just because they think in their head that they don't understand this, but in their head, they think they should win 100% of the time in that spot. So, right. so anytime that they lose, it's all of a sudden <laughs> it's down to 50% of the time total that they, it's the time that they lost. And then all the other times are the, are the two halves. <laughs> like that's, yeah, it's like a weatherman. I saw on Twitter the other day that this just kind of blew my mind, but a weatherman predicted sunshine 80%, 20% chance of rain, and it rained. And yeah. a lot of the consensus in the Twitter world was, well, if my weatherman said 80% chance of sunshine and it rained, I would find a new weatherman. And it's yeah. like... Don't you know how percentages work? <laughs> like, he didn't say 100%. Right. 80% is not 100, and 20% is actually a very real and big chance of something <laughs> ask, happening. Ask any poker player. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just like. Yeah. I know. actually, I, I actually, uh, I, I very rarely say anything like this, but, uh, but I, I'd like at this spot, this is a lot. This is three, maybe like three years ago. I, it was like limp. Limp limp, I raised like fifteen dollars with Ace Queen, and this lady, this lady behind me makes it like one hundred and forty dollars. 
papers or something like that, whatever. It, like it folds back to me and I'm, I'm just sitting here. And I was like, what the hell? And I was, I was like, all right, I just, I just fold whatever. And she like proudly tables aces. And then she said, I just wanted to take it down now. I, I pretty much always lose. I pretty much always lose with aces. I'm happy to just take down the blinds. And I, I just, I just said, wow, if I lost with aces that much, I would probably find a new hobby. It's like, like, the, like one of the one times that I like cracked and then said something like that with whatever. But I was just like, I couldn't, I couldn't take it. Like, it's just like I already was like upset about having aces queen suited there and having to fold. Like, it's this absurd. I was thankful that she, that she let me know, but. It was uh, it was pretty funny. Yeah, I mean, she she lets you off the hook, and it, yeah, exactly. It, it just it burns into our brains the times that we lose with aces, right. and because like sure. we we just expect to win. I mean, I can even tell you like in my mind right now, a hand that I played like a week ago, I got three bet with aces, I flatted in position, and dude ran out a straight flush, <laughs> and I remember losing and thinking to myself. Oh, that was unfortunate. Um, <laughs> but like, it, it sticks in the mind. It's not something that I even gave two thoughts about afterwards, yeah. really. Oh, but of course. but I remember it um, just because, like, you, when your aces get cracked or a set gets cracked or you flop the nut flush or the nut straight, like you remember when they lose. Yeah, I mean that's the problem with tournaments. Uh, I, you know, I just had, I, I just on this past Sunday made made another semi deep run in the in the circuit event and there was like there was like five was final three tables and and got ace jack in versus queen jack and dude flopped a flush I mean it's like for third in chips or you know final three tables and whatever that that's the problem with that's the problem with tournaments is that all these spots are not created equally and in a cash game they all are they are all created equally. There's the dollar value of them, you know and and tournaments, it's just it's just brutal when you lose uh, some massive equity spot, especially when you're a big favorite. It, it really makes you not want to play them. Yeah, I mean, a lot of it hinges just on purely luck. Luck management is running running good that, uh, when you need to run good, right? Like l- luck management is the concept that Melissa that that's her username on dcp.com <laughs> actually is it's luck management. She, yes, you got to manage good. the luck. You have to. Uh, you're gonna have to lose like an eighty twenty some of the time. So you might as well lose it when the guy that shoved has four big blinds. He's <laughs> like, oh, she's like actively roots against herself in those spots. It's just like because you have to lose it twenty percent of the time. So why can't this be the twenty percent? <laughs> Good luck management. There you go. Easy, easy to understand concept. I mean, I've got friends. Difficult that, to difficult to implement, but easy dif- to understand. Difficult to execute <laughs> for sure. Uh, <laughs> I have friends that have played, you know, for like millions of dollars up top and like just lose like a 60, 40 mm-hmm. to bust out in seventh. And the guy that wins is like the overwhelming chip leader and takes the tournament down. And it's like, you know, those are the kind of the ones that you need um, mm-hmm. as a multi-table tournament poker professional. Yep. That they are. What's a project you're working on that's near and dear to your heart? not actively working on too too much right now uh i am i am actually i, I i'm actually considering uh uh I'm just considering starting a podcast if i can get golden blazer uh on board with it 
but uh, I asked him the other day, and I don't know if I can convince him or not. So uh, maybe you need to work on him, unless you don't want the competition. <laughs> competition, think, uh, <laughs> get out of here. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, uh, but yeah, no, I, I think I'm not. I'm not actively working on too much other than just my poker game at the at the moment. So not too much there, but yeah, that's that's uh I, I did think about that the other day i was like man this is sort, sort of had the uh the uh fancy cat meme the the newspapers in there i was like i should start a podcast it's <laughs> <laughs> like i mean you mentioned earlier the stream of consciousness getting yeah. involved in content creation i think a podcast would be a good avenue to no, just definitely is, get it out it there it definitely is up up my alley and i think he and i you know i think he and i would mesh well together to to do to do one so Maybe I'll, I'll lean on him a little bit more and we'll see what we can do. Yeah, let me know. And if you do, by the time this episode comes out, I'll certainly put a link to the show page and do what I can. For sure. Cool, man. It, it's been great having you on the show. And just final question for, you know, for the listener, if they want to learn more about you on the World Wide Web, where can they go? Uh, Twitter would be the best place. That's at jsmith84poker. Um, or Twitch again. I stream uh, stream a couple of times a week, or at least once a week. Uh, at Twitch.tv/slash/jsmith84poker. So easy one to remember there. But uh, yeah, that's those will be the those will be the two best places to catch me. Awesome, man! Thank you for your time, your energy. Best of luck in the live streets, and yeah, we'll have you back on in a little while. Uh, maybe maybe a year or so after yeah. live live poker opens back up <laughs> in the world, we're talking about the the year where we got to do stuff outside <laughs> instead of the year uh, where yes. we didn't. Great catching up, man. Thank you, Kevin. Take care. Thanks for listening to Chasing Poker Greatness. You can subscribe on Apple Podcasts or on your favorite podcast app. Go to chasingpokergreatness.com to get the newsletter. Join the Greatness Village community, book a coaching session, or dive into the latest data-driven poker courses. Follow the show on Twitter at CPG Podcast.